Reading from Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Good morning. Isn't it nice? It's finally cooled off. We finally have some cool weather. (laughs) After all that heat. Yeah. I hear summer is coming, though. (laughs) Well, she came into my office early in my ministry. She was obviously struggling with guilt and shame, trying to find a sense of acceptance from God. There was a real sense of just rejection. She was a fairly new believer, and as I asked her her story, she began to share with me. She told of growing up in a family where her parents dabbled in all kinds of weird spiritual groups, including the occult. As she became a young woman, she got involved in a Satanist group. She became a Satanist priestess. And in that place, she gave herself over to Satan because of the power that was there. And believe me, there was real power. She described one situation to me where a man was coming towards her aggressively. She caused him, without touching him, to fly across the room and smash into the distant wall. But there was a huge cost to giving her soul to Satan. And it ate at her. She began to get overwhelmed by the guilt and the horrible things that she was doing as part of that satanic group. Until finally she heard the gospel. Someone shared it with her and she came to Christ. And it was exciting and freeing. But when I saw her not long after that, she was still overwhelmed by these feelings of guilt How could God really love me after all the terrible things I've done? After giving myself to the enemy? Well, I was a young pastor. You know, what do I do? I was in way over my head. All I knew what to do is to share a little truth with her about who she was in Christ, that in Christ he had forgiven her completely, washed everything away, and that had helped to some degree in her life, but not completely. I didn't know what else to do. So I began to pray. Pray over her. Pray for her. And over time, God began to free her more and more. Last I heard from her, she was doing well spiritually. She was involved in ministry. God was doing good things in her life. You see, it's a beautiful reminder to us of several things. Number one, we are under spiritual attack. And though you may not have been involved in the occult or Satanism... Satan is out to destroy every believer. There is no one who is exempt from his wiles. We can't avoid it, his attacks. Fighting that battle against Satan and his demons. 
Truth, we looked at last week, putting on the armor of God, is essentially reminding ourselves by faith of what God has done for us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has given us His righteousness as a gift. We have peace with God. And as we put on those pieces of armor and remind ourselves of the truth, Satan does flee. But also a weapon we must wield in this battle is the weapon of prayer. You see, without prayer, we are vulnerable. We are under attack, always. So how do we use prayer? How do we wield this weapon in the spiritual battle that we face? Well, prayer is a mighty, powerful weapon as we struggle with Satan. And I think this passage will help us understand how to wield that weapon as we face him. So I think it's appropriate we begin our time together in prayer, shall we? Let's pray. Well, Lord, as we come before your throne, we're mindful of the fact that we do not deserve to be in your presence. In ourselves, we would be completely lost. But because of the cross, by faith that we have claimed, we are redeemed. And you say, come freely into my presence. Come to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ, the righteousness that's a gift from him. And so now, by faith, we do that. We come into your presence boldly. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the gift of life. But Lord, we recognize that we are under attack. There is an enemy who wants to drag us down and keep us from you. Keep us from loving you and knowing your love in our lives. I pray, Lord, your protection on this body even now as we talk about prayer, as we talk about the weapons that we wield in this warfare that we are in. And Lord, every one of us is under attack, maybe a, some in more oppressive, obvious ways and some in more subtle ways, simply trying to distract us, lead us into materialism rather than faith in you. But I pray, Lord, that you would use this time together in your word, the truth that's there, to accomplish your purposes by the power of your Spirit, that we might be your people in the midst of warfare, that we might resist the devil, that he might flee from us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this section that you've just heard read, verses 18 through 20, is the conclusion of Paul's teaching on spiritual warfare. Now, it may seem a little abrupt. He's been talking about putting on the armor of God, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the spiritual forces, the authorities of the heavenly places. And now all of a sudden he starts talking about prayer. But in the Greek, in the grammatical structure, this is a subordinate clause, subordinate section to the main command in verse 14, which is, stand firm, therefore. So it's telling us more about how we stand firm. We stand firm in our faith against the enemy First of all, by putting on the armor of God, reminding ourselves of the truth. We looked at that last week. But we also stand firm in prayer. Prayer will help us to stand firm against the evil personalities that are out to attack us, against the invisible forces that are powerful, but are at the mercy of our God. 
And I just want you to notice, as we think about these weapons that we're wielding, truth and prayer, that Paul didn't say anything about having some deep, special knowledge, certain special techniques for fighting Satan, special rituals, certain prayers you have to pray a certain way, certain training or education or having it all together. He doesn't say anything about any of that. He simply says, be a person of prayer and Satan will flee. You see, that's a great encouragement to us, folks. We simply remind ourselves of truth and if we're a praying person, that Satan can't stand to be in the presence of someone who's connected with their Heavenly Father. So let that be an encouragement to you. You don't have to be a specialist. Standing firm is available to all of us who walk with him. So what are the elements of warfare prayer? (laughs) Prayer that defeats the enemy. Well, Paul tells us in this section, these verses, and I want to summarize it by when, who, how, and what. When, who, how, and what. First, when. When should we pray? Well, it says, my translation, New American Standard, with all prayer and petition, pray when? At all times. At all times. When should we pray? (laughs) At all times. Well, why does Paul say that? Well, perhaps, I think for many of us, we think of prayer as some kind of special thing. We have to have a special time to do it. And we have to be in a special place. uh, A certain position, perhaps. And all these things limit our idea of when we can pray. And Paul is trying to say, no, pray at all times, no matter where you are. No matter what you're involved in, prayer is to permeate our lives. Everything we do is to be tainted or led by prayer. For, for Paul, prayer is a lot like breathing. It should be a natural outflow of our life with Him, with the Lord. It would be kind of absurd to say, you know, breathing, you know, I can take it or leave it, or I, I have my breathing time. I only breathe when I'm outside, but you know, when I come inside, I don't breathe. I just hold my breath. You know, I'm going to limit myself in my breathing to just when I'm outside and not pray or not breathe inside. That would be totally foolish, right? And I think Paul's saying prayer is to be that way no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. It's not just for special places, special time. It's to be at all times wherever you are. Now, the way we develop that, though, is there are times where maybe there's more focused, intense prayer time, and that will help you develop it if you're having a hard time praying at all times. You need to begin with some focused time. I I have a friend who he prays best, he says, in the shower. So he likes to take nice long showers and he covers his prayer list and that's when he prays his more intense prayer time. Another friend, when he's shaving. I'll admit to you, my best prayer time is in bed. I'm a morning person and when I wake up, either in the middle of the night if God wakes me up or early in the morning... I'm, and I know a lot of you can't do that. You would just fall back asleep. But for me, I don't. It's my intense prayer time. I just stay and pray through the things that God is laying on my heart. But whatever it is for you in the evening, morning, it doesn't matter. But there should be a time of more intense prayer where you're focused because that will help you learn to pray at all times. You may need to do like 
Karen Maines, who says, Several years ago I realized I was only a raw recruit in resisting terrorist attacks. After most conflicts, I came away mauled, shaken to my soul, and burned by the enemy's blasts. I knew that to survive, I would have to become canny in the methods of warfare. So she began by getting accountable with a friend to deal with possible areas of weakness in her life. And then she says, Next, I set up a timetable to develop my prayer muscle. I had been keeping a prayer journal for years, but rarely worked at praying. How could I actually pray? I suspected that my ability to resist the enemy depended on the time I spent praying daily. Deliberately, doggedly, I stretched my prayer capabilities 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. See, she realized she had to work at it, so it would become a more natural part of her life. So there are intense times, but Paul's saying, if you want to become a person who is strong and standing firm, it's learning to permeate your life like you do your breathing with prayer. So when do we pray? At all times. Who are we to pray for? passage says this, the end of verse 18, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, all believers. Not limited to those just you're close to or maybe your church or whatever. Now, obviously, we can't pray for everybody in the world unless we do it, you know, like a four-year-old. God bless everybody. Amen. I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I think he wants us to pray specifically for those whomever he brings into either our minds or across our paths to pray for all saints as he leads us. See someone on the streets, hear an ambulance siren, hear life lights, see President Obama on TV, the woman checking out your groceries or the friend who's hurting or whatever to keep lifting them up to the Lord, to pray for others. And notice who he says to pray for. He's not focused on me. I need to pray for me, but ultimately my focus is praying for others. See, I think the more we mature in Christ, the less we end up praying for ourselves because we realize that Jesus is taking care of me. It's not wrong to pray for yourself, but ultimately as we mature, I think we pray more and more for others that they might know him and trust him and depend on him, their faith might grow, etc., etc., as we learn to rest in his love for us. When are we to pray? At all times. Who do we pray for? For all the saints. How are we to pray? Well, Paul says a number of things about prayer. My, again, my translation begins this way. Pray with all prayer and petition. How are we to pray? With all prayer, and petition. Sometimes we think, okay, it's going to take some special kind of prayer to deal with Satan. And he says, no. It's really what he's saying is pray with all kinds of prayer and petition. I think what Paul has in mind is that all kinds of prayer are valuable in standing firm against the evil one. In the Scriptures, we have many examples of different kinds of prayer. Praise, thankfulness, thanksgiving, Confession, lament, petition for others. Those are just some of the major ways we can pray. And I think he's saying, hey, whatever your situation, pray accordingly. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with praise to the Lord. Pray 
with confession, but be in connection with God in every circumstance. We're to pray with all prayer and petition. Paul is saying that to fight this battle, all kinds of prayers are needed. All kinds of things. So that we stay connected with Him in whatever situation we're in. Our daughter Jackie was involved in a long-distance relationship with a young man. He was in Virginia. She was in Seattle, pretty far away. They were trying to connect through phone and all that, but it was really hard to stay connected. And so last fall, she decided to move to Virginia so they could spend more time together, more naturally be in relationship with one another, get to know each other, and how, let, see if God would grow their relationship. We found out just this last week they're engaged. So... That's exciting, it's encouraging, and it took that opportunity of being together, spending time together, hanging out. That's a good picture for us that if we want to be strong in the Lord, stand firm with Him, we need to hang out with Him. We need to be together in all the situations of life and recognize His presence, be talking to Him, make it a more natural part of our lives where we are in relationship with Him in every situation, developing a lifestyle of prayer. So first, how are we to pray with all prayer and petition in every situation? Secondly, he says this, pray at all times in the spirit. What does he mean by in the spirit? Well, I think it means that you need to use really spiritually sounding words. <laughs> A lot of these and thous are really good if you want to really connect with God. No, obviously I don't believe that. And it doesn't mean you pray some secret prayer language or anything. When Paul says in the Spirit in the book of Ephesians, he's simply talking about being dependent on Him under the guidance and leadership of the Holy Spirit. Looking to Him for direction as you pray. Sometimes we get our list and we just pray through the list. And in a sense, we're not very connected to the Spirit at all. And he's saying, you know, open yourself up to the Spirit. Lord, lead my prayers. Spirit, guide me in this. I want you to guide it and take time to let the Spirit lead and guide as you pray under the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 26 and following, 26 and 27. There's a great picture there of prayer and how the Holy Spirit is praying for us at all times. It says this, In the same way the Spirit helps our weakness, for we do not know to how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This is Romans 8, 26, 27. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that a fabulous thought? That we don't know how to pray as we should for the right things a lot of times. We're... You know, we're just throwing stuff out there and, and we're trying to share our heart with God. But all the time, the Spirit in us is praying to the Father for exactly what we need. And the Father's listening and answering those prayers. So to pray in the Spirit is being sensitive and beginning to get in line with what the Spirit is praying in us all the time. Pray in the Spirit. How else are we to pray? He says this, Be alert. Be on the alert. Be awake, in other words. This word is used of being awake. Christ is coming back soon. Don't forget it. 
live in light of that truth that He's coming back soon. So what does it mean to be alert or be awake during our prayer times? Well, for one, it means not being asleep, obviously. (laughs) But more than that, I think it means to be watchful. Probably for several things, but let me suggest two things we should be watchful for in our prayer times. Number one, Satan's attacks. Now think about it for a minute. Yeah, I don't have to see a show of hands, but just think for yourself. How many of you find it hard to pray? Well, why do you think that is? The last thing Satan wants you to do is pray. (laughs) I mean, prayer breaks any opportunity he has to get connected with you because you are connected with the God of the universe. So he will attack you in your prayer times. So be watchful for that. If you're trying to pray and you find yourself distracted by thoughts, maybe immoral thoughts, maybe feelings of being overwhelmed or whatever, understand those are attacks from the evil one. Recognize those. Be awake to those. And choose not to live by those, but say, Lord, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to resist Satan and he will flee. And get back to focusing on who the Lord is. Praise Him some. Focus on His character, His love for you, His kindness. And Satan will flee. So be awake, number one, to the attacks of Satan. Number two, I think we ought to be awake in our prayers to what God is doing. God, how are you working in this situation? Again, often we have our list to pray for, but I think our prayers will change over time as we are watchful for how God is already working in the prayer times, how He is working to accomplish His purposes. I don't know how many times you've experienced what I have, where you're praying for a friend, and this happened many times for me, and who's going through a really hard time physically or circumstantially, and I start praying for that. And over time, God doesn't seem to answer the prayer. The struggles go on. And at that point, it's easy to give up. God, why aren't you answering my prayer? But I think being watchful for what God is doing is to say, okay, God, you are not choosing to change the circumstance or to heal the person. So what are you doing? I want to begin to pray more in line with you. Lord, work in their lives. Strengthen their faith. If you're going to call them to endure this situation, strengthen their faith. Help them trust you more. May they know your love and your goodness in the midst of this situation. You see, being watchful for what God's doing will transform your prayers to be more in line with what God is actually accomplishing in the person's life. I think an example of kind of changed prayer is given in Wild at Heart. John and Stacy Aldrich, or Eldrich, excuse me. They write this, Stacy lived under a cloud of depression for many years. We had seen her find some healing through counseling, but still the depression remained. We had addressed the physical aspects that we could through medication, but the depression lingered still. Well, as they were talking about the struggle, she said, well, I get dizzy spells a lot. Really? How often? Oh, every day. Every day, I'd been married to Stacy for 10 years and she had never even mentioned this to me. The poor woman had simply thought they were normal for everyone since they were normal for her. Stacy, I've never had a dizzy spell in my life. I think we're onto something here. We began to pray against the dizziness, taking authority over any attack in the name of Jesus. You know what happened? It got worse. 
The enemy, once discovered, usually doesn't just roll over and go away without a fight. Well, Stacy and I held our ground in the battle, resisting the onslaught, firm in the faith, as Peter says. And you know what? The dizzy spells ended. Their history. She hasn't had one for seven years. You see, we're to be alert to the attacks and then pray as God leads accordingly. We're to pray being alert. We are also to pray. How are we to pray? He says, with all perseverance. With all perseverance. This word is used of being stubborn. Some of you know exactly what that means. To persevere in prayer. To hang in there. To not give up. You know how many times we start praying for someone and then things don't change or so we kind of give up. And he's saying, don't do that, but continue. Be stubborn about prayer. But be alert as well so that you adapt your prayer to what God is actually doing, as we've already been talking about. You see, that's a huge part, I think, of being able to stand firm in him, to keep praying and to listen. Lord, how do you want me to pray for this person? And to keep praying, to not give up. Don't quit. And then finally, what are we to pray for, for one another? He says, pray for all the saints, pray without ceasing, keep it up. And here's some ways to pray, persevere. But what specifically should we be praying for, for one another? Well, I know this will hit a little close to home, I'm speaking to myself, but I, I find that most of the times when we gather together and we pray, whether it's a Bible study or whatever it might be, most of our prayers for one another have to do with make this person's life better, right? Heal them physically, uh, change their circumstance that's difficult, and then we get frustrated when God doesn't seem to do what we long for. I think God wants us to learn to pray more profoundly for more profound things. What does Paul model for us here? Well, verse 19 and 20, notice what he asks for prayer for. I just think this is amazing. This is profound because, remember, Paul is in prison in Rome. And what he prays for is pray that on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak because I'm an ambassador in chains. Isn't that amazing? What he essentially prays for is not that the prison he's in might be opened so that he might be set free. He doesn't pray for that, does he? Which would reflect our prayers. What he prays for is that my mouth might be opened so that the gospel might be set free. Not that the prison might be opened, that I might be set free, but that my mouth might be opened, that the gospel might be set free. That's a great picture for us and a model for us of what we ought to pray for. Not for changed circumstances. Now, it's okay to pray for healing. It's, there's examples of that in Scripture. It's okay to pray for changed circumstances. Lord, I need a job, or whatever it might be, or this person needs a job, or whatever. But I think most often... I think what he models for us is not to pray so much for those things as much as we pray that 
one another might fulfill our calling wherever we are, in whatever circumstances we are. And in fact, if you think about the book of Ephesians, it's permeated with prayer. At the end of chapter 1, Paul prays. And what does he pray for specifically? He prays for the Ephesians and the churches around there. He prays that they might be filled with an understanding of God's hope and God's power for living life. Then he prays again at the end of chapter 3. And what does he pray there? That they, they might experience the power of the Holy Spirit so that they might know the love of God, the height, the depth, the width, the incredible depth of the love of God. And then he asks for prayer that he might fulfill his calling. I think those are great things to pray for one another, folks. Pray, if somebody's struggling, pray that they might know God's hope, that they might know the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, that they might know the depths of God's love for them, and that they might fulfill their calling right where they are. And you know what? God answered that prayer for Paul that he asked them to pray for. Listen to the last two verses of the book of Acts as Paul is in prison. And he stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him. He had to pay his own way in prison. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. (laughs) You see, if you pray for another person that they will fulfill their calling right where they are, God will answer. You see, these are the kind of prayers that God loves to answer where we pray for one another that we might have hope, the power of the Spirit, that we might walk in the Spirit, that we might know the depths of God's love and that we might fulfill our calling right where we are. Now, it's also okay to pray for rescue from the evil one for one another because Jesus taught us that. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one, maybe is a better translation. Either way, deliver us, rescue us. Rescue me, but rescue one another. It's okay to pray for that, that we would be rescued. But notice, it isn't something we do. I don't, we, we don't need someone to deliver us. We just need him to work in the situation. He is the deliverer. He's the rescuer. Again, these are the kinds of prayers that God loves to answer. Satan wants to trap us in lies, but when we connect with him and we pray that God would work in this person's life in the midst of the situation, help them cling to the truth and live out their calling, walk worthy right where they are, Satan flees. Satan runs away. (laughs) He crawls under a rock in defeat. Now, I want you to notice verse 18, as we went through it, you may have noticed that the word all occurs four times. All prayer, all times, all perseverance for all the saints. In other words, prayer is to be all-encompassing in our lives. It's the most important thing we do because it's our connection to our Heavenly Father as believers Prayer, along with truth, is a mighty weapon against our enemy. He cannot stand against the prayers of the saints when we pray for one another. Folks, we were never meant to fight this battle alone. 
If Paul needed prayer from the saints, the mighty Paul, then we certainly need prayer from one another as well. Martin Luther said this, No man should be alone when he opposes Satan. The church was instituted for this purpose, that hands may be joined together and one may help another. If the prayer of one doesn't help, the prayer of another will. Prayer by yourself is absolutely necessary for your spiritual health if you're going to stand firm. But prayer corporately together is critical and powerful in this spiritual battle. I encourage you to take out your bulletins right now. Just grab it. Two weeks ago, we did a prayer survey, and on, what, page three or so, three or four, you'll notice a list of prayer groups. Now, we, there's probably more. We probably missed some. But here, we listed prayer groups, church-wide prayer groups and more ministry-focused prayer groups. But I want you to notice all these different groups that you, people in our body, are in. I mean, this is not part of a growth group, so you pray part of the time. That's in addition to all this. But these are groups that are specifically for prayer. And I encourage you to pray about being involved in one or more of these groups. Because prayer is powerful. It's our greatest weapon against the enemy along with truth. And there are tremendous opportunities for you to get involved in prayer in our community and in our church. I would love to see God raise up an army of prayer warriors. We already have many, and I thank you for that. But God wants us all to become prayer warriors in this battle we face every day with Satan. And I want to thank you. Thank you who have been praying for me, for my family, for this church, for God's work in the world, for the leadership, the elders and the staff here at Cole and on and on. Because I am absolutely convinced that the only way we can stand firm is if we pray for one another. So thank you. Let's pray. Lord, what a beautiful encouragement to pray, to not take it lightly, but to stand firm as we pray, seek your face, as we praise you, thank you, worship you, lament to you, cry out to you in our desperation. Thank you that the doorway is open through the blood of Christ. Help us become the prayer warriors you have called us to be. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.